Welcome to Wealth Well Done. Together, we'll cover a wide range of important topics surrounding money and the impact it has on our lives. From the sophisticated and highly valuable planning techniques of the ultra-wealthy to the commonly underutilized biblical teachings. Together, we'll work to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well. Here's your host, Eric Scoville. Okay, welcome to the 37th episode of the Wealth Well Done podcast, where we lean into the tactical, practical, and spiritual advice to help you do your wealth well done. And not just wealth, we help you do, hopefully help you do your life well done. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Brother Nathan is is coming in hot. Uh, <laughs> so we are picking right back up where we left off last week. Um, Nathan was talking to us about the, we were leaning in on on not just being a surface level Christian and not just talking about a lot company. We did. Yeah. Uh, not just being a comfortable Christian. And so if, yeah, if you did not listen to last week, you need to, you need to go back and li- I don't want you to listen to this week. Just stop and go back and listen to last week first. Um, but what we're, we're talking about is, is how to not just try to just being a comfortable Christian. And we're, we're really attacking American Christians. This might apply beyond that. Attacking. Yeah. We're attacking. I, I kind of really attacking <laughs> In, in a good way. Uh, it, it, but, for for your building up. For for, for your life and trying to <laughs> trying to uh, challenge is a probably yes, a nicer yes. word. We're trying yeah. to challenge, but to Jesus Jesus challenge. Jesus would be. I've mentioned this before. Jesus would, oh, would yes, have been kicked did. out of every single church for being too rude and too direct, and he, well, he'd be he'd be canceled everywhere for how for like. Yeah, he was put to death. So well, yeah, I guess he did that, yeah, he would. He today he would also be maybe not. He, you know, he would be canceled in every way the culture could possibly do it, including inside the church, which is already happening. Fair by point. the way, right? Fair point. Every all the ethics that come and flow out of the scriptures, all the things that are under attack today, yeah, like biblical marriage, biblical sexuality, right? Yeah. All of that. That is. That is them actually refusing and rejecting Jesus. That's a good point. That's a good point. Anyways, not not to get up, get well, us well, off track. So, but what we said last week is, you know, when Jesus <clears throat> is going to say to these people who said, "Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great things?" Yeah, and and he's yeah. going to say, "Get away from me! I never knew you." Um, from that same standpoint, there's going to be people who say, "Well, Lord, when when did we when did we reject you?" And you know, the, the example he gives is, "Well, when you didn't do us for the least of." The least of these, you didn't do it for me. Um, but think to, to when we didn't stand up for against what the culture is doing, what the culture is trying to yep. shove down your throat and trying to make your kids agree with, or just or just trying to make you agree with. And when you don't stand up for that, you are in essence rejecting Jesus. Yeah. And and when he tells us that, uh, you know, and I'm going to get the words this not right here, so maybe jump in. But when he says, "If you're ashamed of me," you know. Before men, then I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Yes, that's right. And and I want to. Can I throw one yeah, thing in real quick? You can do whatever. I don't want to take us too off off topic here, but I think it's important to mention because this is just this is a key psalm. Uh, psalm two says, "Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed." saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. The rulers of the earth and, you know, the culture of the earth, they see the word of God 
as bonds, as chains on them, and they want to throw it off. Yeah. They want to cast off the leadership of Jesus, the things that he says are good, the things that he calls us to. The world says, Let, let's throw this junk off us. Right. Let's get rid of the influence of the word of God. Let's get rid of the things that, you know, the scriptures push on us. Yeah. They see it as bondage. If I'm a, if I'm a, <clears throat> yeah, maybe go sleep in places. Like <laughs> but you're absolutely right. The, okay, so the world is telling us to do that. It, it, and, it, and it's trying to do that for us. It's trying, and if we don't take a stand, like we have to actively resist it. Cause it, if we are just passive with this and go where the flow takes us, the flow yeah. is taking us there. And so this causes someone to have to take a stand against it. And so you, you better know the word <laughs> because otherwise you're not going to have, you're not going to be armed with any, any, yeah. any, any, you know, you're not going to be armed with any tools to, to fight against this, any weapons to yep. fight against this. Yep. Okay. All right. So what we, what we, you know, went last week very hard and kind of caught some of the uncomfortable truths, right? Because yeah. there are, the Bible is a wonderful feel-good story in a lot of ways. And in other ways, it is it is gruesome. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It is challenging. Yeah. It, it's it's hard to understand. Yeah. It's it's hard to, you know, <clears throat> what what kind of God would do this and all these other things. It causes all sorts of questions, which is good, which is what he wants. He wants us to seek him. Yep. Seek him with our whole heart. We yep. talked about you know seeking him not like the way the food fell off the, you know, fell on the floor and maybe you pick it up or maybe it rolled under the couch, yeah. but yeah, the way you would seek a lost child. Yeah, we're supposed to seek him. How do we take practical steps in the right direction? So last week we talked a little bit about you've got to get in the word. So devotions are great, sermons are great, but they don't feed you in you. So the Bible talks a lot about we need to abide in him and let him abide in us. And if if I I go, I come to work. You know, let's just say I come to work eight hours a day, and often more than that. But you know, let's say I come to work eight hours a day. I would not say I live here. But how do I, how do I consider myself living in God? Yeah. If I visit Him ten <clears throat> to twenty minutes a day. Yep. Which is is even a great step up from from where I used to be when I thought I was a yeah. saved Christian, and when I would visit Him yeah. for an hour a week. Yeah. So how how do we begin to take our faith? higher yeah deeper well we talked a little bit last time about like get into the scriptures mm -hmm. right i want to I, I feel like we need to take that one step further um because again I, I think this is really practical i think this is really easy <clears throat> i would encourage everyone listening to this to read the sermon on the mount matthew 5 to 7 Go read those three chapters. Mm -hmm. And then once you've read it, actually go through verse by verse, chunk by chunk, understand it, and then do it. Like actually go live the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. Let's let's <laughs> let's go there. Let, let's just take, let's do this as a practice exercise exercise. Okay. So, I'm, so right now I'm, I'm reading uh, Bob Sorge's book on Secrets of the Secret Place. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and he's he's just the the one I'm on right now is he's talking about praying the scriptures. 
And he says, I want to convince you. I want to hook you on this because once you do, this is going to change your life. In yes. A way. Yes. And I know that this is hard to understand. So then he just grabs Psalm 84 or something like that. He grabs a Psalm. He says, let's just practice with this. And he grabs a line and starts to do it. This is what I would do. Let's do that here. So I'm listening. Yes. Let's start. Great. Matthew, let's start. Great. Matthew, Matthew five, right at the beginning of Sermon on the Mount. And let's, if I am hearing this and I'm going to be a doer of the word, yep. not just a hearer, which is what Jesus calls us to do. If I'm going to be a doer, how do I do? Yeah. So this is great. <laughs> so Matthew five, <clears throat> and I'm just going to read and I'm going to get to verse three is where I really want us to focus, but I'm going to read right into that. So it says, seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Okay, notice. His disciples came to him. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now, stop right there. And we could say, take Bob Sorge's principle. All right, Jesus, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Teach me about that, God. I want to be poor in spirit. God, make me poor in spirit, right? Now, I can begin praying that and talking to God about it even before I understand it completely. Sure. <laughs> right? That's humility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's what you hit on with Bob Sorge. That's That's really the first way we can start entering into something. I found that I don't really do something unless it's it's actually gotten into my prayer life. When I'm really praying about something, I'm asking God for help with something, and I'm asking him to, you know, make me this kind of man, help me do X, Y, and Z, right? Actually, it's got way higher chances of me actually doing it, following through with it, because I'm asking God for the help. And and that's really kind of the essence of being poor in spirit. Yeah. It's realizing that I come to God with absolutely nothing. I have nothing standing before him. Yeah. It's poverty of spirit, not not poverty of, you know, finances or belongings or materials. It's poverty of spirit. Okay. That I have nothing of merit before God. I bring nothing to impress him when I come to him. But I gave away $20,000 last year. Yeah, doesn't impress God. <laughs> but I went to church. I got perfect attendance at church. Also doesn't impress God. <laughs> I helped a little old lady cross the street. <laughs> and doesn't give you any merit before him. We Didn't we talk about last episode that we can't earn salvation, yeah. right? So that kind of ties in with this that none of your righteous deeds, none of them earn you any merit before God. So why are they important? Because he calls us to them, right? That's what we talked about last time. He calls us to them. But it's not, you don't think of it as earning brownie points that I somehow have leverage on God now because I did this. You're welcome, God. Right? Yeah. Aren't you you lucky to have me? Yeah. Okay. This is, I'll I'll read this real quick. This is a little tangent, but it ties in. Okay. Luke 17. Jesus says, uh, 
Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he's come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, hey, prepare supper for me, dress properly, serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what he was commanded? And the implied answer is, no, he's a servant. That's what he's supposed to do. And Jesus says, so you also, when you've done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done what was our duty. When you've done all that was commanded, Mm -hmm. how do you not get lifted up in pride when you've done all that was commanded? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's poverty of spirit. You're going, God, I've only done what you've asked me to do. Like, that's that's only what you're worthy of, Jesus. Yeah. Right? You are worthy of it. Right. Poverty of spirit. Okay. All right. Let's do let's do one more. Okay. Who I like this one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'm an optimistic person. I don't really. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Most American Christians are eternal optimists. Okay. They, and in fact, they only have room for optimism in their lives. They only have room for optimism, um, in their gospel. Okay. But what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about contrition. He's talking about contrition over sin. Not just feeling bad that you got caught or or feeling, you know, a brief moment of guilt about it. Mm -hmm. Jesus is talking about real heart brokenness over sin. Okay. And this is what in Psalm 119, I love this verse, Psalm 119, I believe it's 136. Yeah. The psalmist said this. He said, my eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. This wasn't even his own sin. Right. He was seeing the sin around him in the world and he was shedding streams of tears. His heart was broken. His heart was pierced and crushed because he knew the sin grieved God. He had contrition. And we don't, there's there's no tears over sin anymore today. Right. There's no heart brokenness over it. That's a problem. That's a real problem. That's actually a sign of how sick our version of spirituality has become in America. That we have no contrition. We don't care. We 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 might say, "Oh Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me." But there's there's no real brokenness. There's no like weight to the fact that we've grieved the heart of God with our sin. That's hitting me. Okay. And that's what I'm talking about. Right. If you don't get into this and actually interact with it and pray it and seek to walk in it, like you don't get that. That that's actually a little gift right there that, from the Lord to us. Right. That our hearts would get hit with this right now as we're recording this podcast. Yeah. And that doesn't happen if you don't actually get into it. Well, and I've read that verse 
many times and even slowly read that verse, but not never has that come out to me. Um, okay. I want to, I want to do a quick side note here to people who say, all right, I've never read the Bible. <clears throat> uh, I guess I'm going to get started here. So, you know what, I'll grab the Bible in your plan or, or they just jump in and get started in Genesis. And, and, you know, by the time they get into Leviticus, they're, you know, that, that's, that's done. Yeah. Right? Um, so what I've talked to people about is like, Hey, watch the, watch the Bible project videos. Um, to go through every book and just that way you get a yeah just uh, you get yeah. an outline of of what's going on there and that, yeah. that does not count as reading the Bible but it does begin to <laughs> it helps though it, it helps it helps yeah for sure get a little started and then and then you know maybe listen to it audibly you know through the Old Testament mm-hmm. so you just get the so you get it but you're not actually getting it yeah you're, you're just starting to take it in and if you're reading the Bible in a year you are not unless you are dedicating a lot of time to this which most people don't. And you know, most yep. people are saying, you know, how do I get this done in 15 minutes or less a day? You're not getting that. Yeah. So you're not. So talk to someone a little bit about, all right, Nathan, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to to me here that I need to get in the Word. Do I start Matthew and three years from now, I'll make it through Matthew? And then, and, you know, how long is it going to go before I've even heard about Paul? Yeah. Um, so how do you recommend someone who's, been a Christian and heard sermons and and all that, but has never read the word for themselves. Yeah. How do they take it? Yeah. Again, I'd say practice with the Sermon on the Mount. Like just start there, just read that and, and actually seek to understand it. Start studying it, start talking with other believers about it. Ask your pastor about it, you know, pray into it. Like we were talking about, you can really start right there just with three chapters. But, um, more than that, um, I say like, sit down and develop a plan. So there's, there's plenty of plans out there online and we're inundated with resources to help us understand as well. Right. But, um, but no, d- develop a plan and then, and then just stick to it. So like for some people, it might be a chapter a day. It it might be a few chapters a day. It might be, I'm going to read through the Bible this year, you know, but like, okay, look, all of y'all listen to this podcast and you included Eric, yep. money guys, you understand the financial world, you understand business, entrepreneurship, all that kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure, even though I have no understanding about lots of that, that you don't approach your financial world or your business world apart from some kind of plan. Right. If you're going to start a business, you got to have a business plan. Right. Right. If if you're going to have your retirement set, you got to have some kind of plan right now. It's not going to happen on the fly. So it's the same thing as we approach the scriptures. You need to develop a plan and then you got to work the plan because that's part of what helps keep you consistent. That that's part of how you get serious about seeking the Lord walking in a wholeheartedness is you, you develop that plan and you work it for the sake of listeners who are tuning in, trying to, trying to dig into money. Let's transition this now. So we've been talking about practical steps yeah. here. Yeah. 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 Um, let's go some practical steps of, of money. So first we need to understand what the Bible wants us to do with money. Cause I've heard 
I've heard that I'm supposed to tithe and I give 10% and, you know, I think that's net, right? And so I'll give, so I'm going to do this and then, you know, give 10% and it, it maybe it doesn't need to be 10%, but I, because I've heard that, I've heard that, you know, I'm just supposed to give with what a cheerful heart and I'm happy giving 2%. I like it. Yeah. So how do I, you know, because that's, that, that would be normal. I think the, the last study I had heard was that the average is 3%, Christians give on average 3% of their, um, of their income. Hmm. And to charity, not even necessarily to the church, just to charity in general. So, which is the same as non-Christians. So, from that standpoint, how how do I, knowing that I'm going to one day be accountable for what I've done mm-hmm. with my finances, and not my finances, but his <clears throat> finances, because all of my That's assets right. are his, and I'm a steward That's of right. his assets. So, so I probably need to understand what the Bible says, I'm starting to understand stewardship, but let's, how would you recommend um, to someone who has established a, you know, a, a, a good income, a, a good net worth, how do they start to make their, the way they handle finances reflect what Jesus wants us to do? Yeah. Whew. You realize how big of a question that is? Let's <laughs> sit back and watch you uh, that one. No, I, so, man. <laughs> I think I said something similar to this in the last, you know, uh, podcast, but it all starts with your heart and your approach. Okay. So I don't want one of your listeners to think that I can just check this box of give 10% to my church and that's all that God wants from me. No, God wants everything from you. God wants your whole heart. Okay. So we're talking about a heart posture. We're talking about getting a absolutely transformed heart when it comes to our money. Hmm. We, we've got to start at the heart level. Yeah. And I know I sound like a broken record right now, but I'm going to keep saying it. That's why Sermon on the Mount is so important because you become somebody who's poor in spirit, somebody who's contrite, meek, you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're pure in heart, you're a peacekeeper, right? All these things. You deal with anger and lust in your heart. You love your enemies. All of that's like, that's heart transformation kind of stuff. And as you become that kind of person, you will then do with your money what God wants you doing with it. It's it's real. And I again, some people might be listening and going, well, that's not really helpful because it's not like I can't just go out and you know do that. It's it's not very practical. There's no button to click to to change my heart. That's right. But I go, that's that's the emphasis of the New Testament. Yes, there are clear things that we're to do and not to do, but Beyond that, we're called to become like Christ, to be imitators of God, to be transformed from the inside out. And so when we approach money, it's not just, okay, I check this box, this box, this box, and this box. No, God's calling you to radical, wholehearted transformation. He, he wants to, you know, like he came into the temple and 
true over the tables. Like he wants to do that on the inside of our hearts. Yeah. He he wants to get all up in our business and start <laughs> flipping some tables over, you know? Uh-huh. He he wants to take some of our financial goals and flip them over and get rid of them. He he wants to take some of our financial dreams and put them to death. <laughs> And then retire at 50, <laughs> the, the third beach house. The, yeah. yeah. Some of those things may be good. Okay. But I found that Jesus often comes in and he totally, totally shatters what we initially thought was right. And then, and then as we let him put some of those things to death and confront them, then he plants new dreams. And he gives us new vision for where he wants to take us. And so that's why I go, it's got to start with this heart change. And I don't know where else that heart change starts than in the presence of God before him in his word and in prayer. Like we're just, we're just going back to the thing we already said. Um, but I, I felt like we need to underline that it's, it's a heart change. Absolutely. That's, that's good. Okay. All right. Now, not to someone who said, okay, yep, I got that check moving on, but to someone who has felt their heart has been changed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, mm-hmm. my, so my heart is there. I am a steward. These are, these are God's assets. Yes. And, and I will do with them as he pleases. And if I, if that means I don't retire, then I don't retire. And if that means I, I quit my job and go serve somewhere else and I do that. And if I, if I have to take a 50% salary cut or, or whatever it is I'm being called to do, I will do that. So now let's talk to, let's talk to someone who is there or, or making their way there. That, that, that God has changed their heart. They have been born again and they are, they are now seeking him and they view themselves as stewards. Now, where do we go? What are some good steps for us to <clears throat> be taking there? To actually do. Actually, practically, yes. Now we're in the doing side. Yes. Okay, that's good. Um, let me let me flip here real quick. Um, you have the coolest Bible I've ever seen. <laughs> thanks. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I've always loved this verse, and I, I'm just going to read it real quick. It's out of Second Corinthians nine, which, by the way, Second Corinthians eight and nine are two of the greatest New Testament chapters on giving, yes. on generosity. So again, if your listeners are not familiar with it, great two chapters for you to study, go dive into, go pray about. Um, but in 2 Corinthians 9-11, Paul says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, I personally have a conviction about that verse because when he says be generous in every way, some translations say be generous on every occasion. And so I remember the phrase that one of my old uh, college teachers told me that whenever there's a call to give, particularly in church, he'd say, most people ask, Lord, should I give? And he said, I stopped asking that question and said, Lord, how much? Right. 
Not should I, but how much do I give? And I believe he was living out that principle of where Paul said that God's going to enrich you so that you can be generous in every way, generous on every occasion. And so it became my prayer that like, Lord, whenever somebody asks, like, you know, somebody asks, can you help me with my mission trip? Uh, you know, uh, can you help give to this ministry or this new initiative that we're doing at church or, or whatever it is? I started praying, God, I want to be able to be generous on every single occasion. I want to be able to give every single time somebody asks. And I'm asking the question, not should I, but Lord, how much? Because I want to be generous in every way and on every occasion. Paul talks about be made prosperous. You can abound to every good work. That's right. And yeah, that's right. So, um, J Link, if, if you if you haven't watched the J Link episodes, they're they're you know I don't they're they're a while back, but they were phenomenal as he talk, as he digs into stewardship and what it what it means that not uh, God you know maybe I you know how much how much do I need to give God to satisfy God. <laughs> and changing that to how much of this of, of these assets is God okay with me spending on myself? That's just yeah. and again, and, the, and the, mm -hmm. there's just the heart posture change when it is I am a steward of God's resources, and you know, how much do you want me to give to this one? How much do you want me to give to this one? I'm because I, I want to bound to every good work, <clears throat> and now yes. I'm, I'm going to spend what I want, yeah. save and invest what I want for my yep. retirement dreams that I've haven't taken before the Lord, yep. and then give to Him what's left. Yeah. And I'm telling you, God ambushed me with this recently, okay? Like, <clears throat> our church was doing a push to give, and um, I sat back and I asked the Lord, I, I go, okay, well, I actually want to do this, so God, how much should I give? And, uh, and he stepped on my toes a little bit, okay? <laughs> so it's real practical for, I think, your listeners to take and say, all right, God, I want to be generous on every occasion. How can I just build a, a lifestyle of I'm going to be a generous person? And I'm going to ask that question, not God, should I, but how much? So the common thought there is, God, just make me prosperous so I can do that. And, and the person saying that normally has more than six figures in their in their you know investment accounts and well into the five figures in their bank you know at, at their disposal not realizing they are in the top one percent in the world and say god make me make me prosperous and i'm comparing myself to someone who's got 30 million dollars make me make me prosperous like them so then i can yeah. start giving to every yeah to every good work because god i want to do that <laughs> we have this uncomfortable and it says you know basically you're faithful in a little. That's right. And so, getting started That's is good, not, Eric. Getting started is not. Yep. Is not for later. Yep. That getting started is for now. Yep. That's right. And I, for some reason, I always tripped over that. Like, like I thought that you know, well, I'm, if I'm going to be generous on every occasion, it's always got to be like this, you know, massive amount, right? right? <clears throat> but I thought, no, generous is not a number. It is my heart posture. Again, 
So it's like it's like the um, the widow um, gave the widow's might, you know, some old transa- translations say. Yeah, this other dude's throwing in all this money, and yet Jesus says she gave more. It's because it's not about the number. It's about the heart. And so I realized like, oh, okay, so this person's asking me for money for their mission trip. Like, I I can't give what I want to, but I can give them this little amount, yeah. right? That's still me walking in a generous spirit. I, I can still choose to open my hands and give. All right, last one before we wrap this up here. I want your understanding of God loves a cheerful giver. Well, again, I would encourage people to go read it in context and get the full picture. Um, Because Paul says in that same verse, he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Okay. (sighs) Call me a broken record. I'm fine with it. I don't care. (laughs) It goes back to the heart. He says, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not with reluctance and not with compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. So it is that heart, that person in their heart who's decided before God, this is what I'm going to give. And they can give it with joy. They can give it with freedom. They can give it um, with no self-righteousness, no pride. It's free from all that ugly stuff that so easily taints our giving. We, We walk away with our head high because we think, oh, I just, you know, I probably gave more than anybody else in that church service right there, right? It's free from all that junk. It's this cheerful, joyous, free giving to God that I don't even bat an eye at the number. Like, I've just tried to start forgetting how much I give. Because when Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you don't let your one hand know what the other hand's doing, right? Like, that's your point. I pat myself on the back when I look at the number and I go, I I don't think a cheerful giver is somebody who's, you know, self-righteously patting themselves on the back, feeling good about themselves because of what they just gave. I think it's somebody who just truly joy wells up in their heart to give. And that's the end of it. Mm. It just stops right there. Right. Yeah. It's nothing but joy in their heart. And that's where it ends. <clears throat> All right. Brother, I am so grateful that we've done these two podcasts here. Yeah. I, look, I hope it helps some people. I, I hope some people start digging into their their Bibles and, and yeah. start talking to Jesus more. And if if that's what comes from this, then it was worth it. All right. Tell you what, listeners, um, if you want more of this practical stuff get us some feedback leave a comment email us whatever get get us some feedback somewhere um that we can that we can make this fruitful for you yeah Um, 
If it was terrible, tell <laughs> us. <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Let Nathan know. Yeah. Tell me, not Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, I hope these last two episodes have helped help jar you loose from where you're at and even, and, and just to push you higher to, to push you down to your knees in repentance to push you, yeah. um, push your nose yeah. into the word to change your schedule so that way it aligns with w- that, that you make time for the word to to shatter your plans and not not yet let the Holy Spirit do that let yeah. the Holy Spirit talk yeah. to you um, about this and then see where where you're supposed to go and and just know that if you are a Christian your financial matters should not be the same as a non Christian we are called to look different. You, you have a better source uh, inside of you. You have a guaranteed rate of return that is far greater than than any any yeah. financial advisor could ever yeah. offer you know, on, on this side of heaven. You, and so I just encourage you to dig in. Let's, let's check your heart and check it again. And check your heart and check it again. If, if Nathan needs to continue to check his heart, then all of us need to continue to check our heart. And we we've all got need to. to. Yeah, and we've got to keep digging into that word more and more. As many times as I've read that verse of, you know, blessed are those who mourn, like I never grabbed that. So I, I, I'm grateful for it. And I, I hope that this has challenged me and I hope that it challenges you and that you are um, continuing to seek with your whole heart yeah. and love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Yeah. It's good. All right. On that, have a great week. Later. Thank you again for listening to Wealth Well Done. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And together, we'll continue to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well.